0: Welcome back to In My Heart, a podcast truly about all the things in my heart and finding our freedoms. I'm your host, Heather Thompson. My next guest, J.R. Martinez, underwent his basic and advanced training at Fort Benning, Georgia, and became an 11B infantryman. In January 2003, he was assigned to the 2nd Battalion, 502nd Infantry Regiment of the 101st Airborne Division in Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Two months later, in March of 2003... He was headed to Iraq. When on April 5th, while on a routine patrol in Iraq, the Humvee he was driving, loaded with explosives, hit an IED roadside bomb. The three other soldiers in the Humvee were ejected while J.R. was trapped inside. He thought his life was over, but J.R. Martinez survived. 34% of his body was severely burned. After 34 months of recovery, 34 plastic surgeries and skin grafts, JR is here to tell us not only about surviving but about thriving in a world he sees through a very different lens. JR Martinez is in my heart. My friend, I'm so glad to have you. Thank you for uh, being here.
1: I love you. I just love your energy. I love hearing your voice. I love your spirit. I just love everything about you and I'm just I'm honored as I've been following you on this journey this in my heart journey. I've been following you and I'm honored to be here to just have conversation.
0: Oh, my God. Absolutely. Well, I am so thrilled. And I I have to say I'm very proud of myself because I had to practice that intro three times, even knowing you're more than okay, I still couldn't get through without crying. I would I would be like I'd have one of those horrible snorts. You know what I mean? Like I was really so emotional. And I'm like, Heather, he's okay. You know, he's okay. Stop it.
1: it, Well, it's it's also I don't know about you, but I also feel like like when I interviewed you on my podcast, when you know somebody, it adds like a a level of like pressure too right you want to do the person justice because you know them you know them on a personal level and i just i for me it always kind of makes me like you know a little self-aware about i gotta nail this i gotta make sure i do them justice right because we know each other they can text me afterwards and say yo what kind of shit was that what What kind of
0: My ex? What, what's talking about? <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about it. No <laughs> doubt about it. I love it. Well, you know, I I was when I was putting this interview together, funny enough, it was like there's a couple things that like I didn't know, and which was obviously I can't know everything, but I do know a lot. But there were some things I didn't know, and it made it so interesting because. You know, I, I knew that you loved football, but I, mm. I, I remember you played in high school, but I didn't know what the shift was between high school and football and that love of the game. And why didn't you head toward college football? Was it even an option? And why did you join the army? I don't even know why you actually decided to join the army. So that's yeah. my first question.
1: Oh, that's such a, it's such a great place to start. You know, I was this kid that, uh, football was, um, I don't want to overuse the term, but it was sort of my way out. I mean, I saw football when I, I loved the game. I, I loved athletes and, and I would see them on TV and see them on game day. And I would just see the world that they lived in. Meanwhile, I grew up in this small town of at the time around 6,000 people that was really spread out in Hope, Arkansas. And I just I I always had this vision of there's a whole world out there and I want to be a part of that world. That was always my desire. And so sports, football particularly, was essentially my ticket to experience the world and be a part of the world and essentially leave the community that I was in. I struggled as a young kid. My identity and acceptance and a and sense of self-worth. I mean, I remember telling my mother at the age of 16, uh, she found me, I was crying and she said, what's wrong? And I said, sometimes I think about getting into a car accident just because I want to find out how many people would actually show up at the hospital because I want to see how many people actually care about me. I mean, listen, you and I have kids and and we're in a different time in, in, our, in our world's 2022, that if we heard a 16-year-old child say that, we would all jump through hoops to be like, we got to figure this out. What's really going on? We got to get to the root of it. But back then there were no tools. And of course, culturally, there were no tools. It was more about like, I love you. We're good. Okay. What do you want to eat? Right? That's what it, that's what, that's what my mother did to combat that. So sports was my ticket out, but yet I was not this incredibly gifted athlete. I mean, honestly looking back at it hindsight i was average player i was a good team player i was a good role player but never good enough to ever matriculate into what my long-term goal was was to be an nfl football player you and i have met football players there's no way me standing next to these guys that i ever would have survived i have a better chance of surviving a bomb in iraq than actually getting hit by one of those guys i mean that's just <laughs> the truth of it
0: i you could have been a kicker come on uh, I mean, <laughs> you got the butt for it
1: <laughs> no no that, that's not there it's not there the punter aspect of it maybe I can hold the ball I don't know what I could do like I don't know if there's a professional boy ball like kind of career but that's about the extent of it and so I, and I was very naive and believing that that's going to be my, that's what I'm striving for. And in a way it was good because that I was naive because it kept me focused towards something and it kept me from getting involved in all of the negative things that were around me in my community. So fast forward now, I didn't graduate from high school. I had this vision, which all of us do that little exercise where we write out our five, 10, 20 year plan or put vision boards together. That's like the new thing that people do now. and I in my mind was like I'm going to go to college. I'm going to play football, and then of course I'll go to the NFL. I go take a tour of this school, a Division two school in Georgia, because that's where I graduated high school from. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah. And I, I I take a tour, and I can already see myself like, oh, I yes. Yes, I I can see myself hanging out here. I can see myself doing that. I can see myself playing football there. I can see myself in this space. I visualized it. And then I came around to the front offices and I'm talking to a counselor. She says, I said, well, I want to play football. And she says, well, unfortunately, you don't have the grades to play sports at the college level for two years. Now, here's the thing. I was, as I mentioned, the reason I mentioned 16 years old and being troubled and just struggling with my identity and my worth and my community I was struggling with the fact that, I mean, I was, as a kid, my father left when I was nine months old. I witnessed my mother get into relationships that were very abusive verbally, physically. I mean, it was my job at four, five, six years old to pick up the phone when he decided to hit her for every Friday night or Saturday night, call the cops, hide in the closet until they showed up. Um, That was the world that was involved in. Also my mother, this is a whole other conversation, but when I was at my teenage years, My mother started dating a man that was significantly younger than her. And I was teased. I mean, I was already picked on, you know, because I was the only Hispanic kid in the community for, for a while, but then I was picked on because I was like, Oh, like he could be your brother. I mean, that's how close in age we were. And it just messed with me. Mm -hmm. And what it did is I just, I fought, I got in trouble in school and I would get suspended i would miss school and then when i would come back i would be so far behind i missed a lot of the the work that i would right. just remove myself i would like F it. i don't care this is stupid anyways right. that was my defense mechanism mm-hmm. and unfortunately in this particular education system in hope arkansas no one said let's find out what's going on with this kid instead they just move them along move them along move them along and it wasn't until i got to georgia my senior year of high school where a counselor actually sat down with me and said hey you're not going to graduate. We got to figure out this class thing and propose night school and everything else. And so, of course, in that moment, when this counselor tells me I can't play sports in college, I think my world is ended because everything that I had essentially dreamt of is now halted. It's not going to happen. And I told my mom, if I can't go to college and play football, because that's what I've always wanted, that I'm not going to college. And my mom desperately tried to talk me out of this mindset. And of course it didn't work because I was young and stubborn and stuck in my ways and think that I know it all. So I graduate high school. I get a job locally in the town that I graduated high school from, which is called Dalton. And I'm just going through the motions. I'm honestly not happy. I work at a freaking cable company doing inventory. Like it sucked. Like I hated it, but it was my job. Mm -hmm. And I just remember one day, really cliche as it may sound. One day I was home watching TV and a commercial popped up and after the commercial ended, I thought about it and I said, well, you know what? This has been something that has been lingering a little bit. Like in my universe, I've heard about it. Let me go ask some questions. And what I did is I got in the car, I drove to the place, which was the recruiting office. I got some information. They gave it to me in a little folder and I was excited, Heather. I was like, I figured it out. And I rushed home and I said, mom, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I want to join the army. And she immediately said, no. And the thing was the reason there were, there were layers as to why I wanted to join the military. My mother is from central America, El Salvador. My father's from Mexico. I went to El Salvador as a young kid several times before I graduated from high school, four or five times. I remember when I when I, the second time I went, I was nine years old, the first time was six. But I remember by the time I was nine, I started to observe and realize that although based on the u s standard, we were poor. But when I went to El Salvador and saw my family, I realized I wasn't poor. Yeah. What it did is it changed my perspective. It allowed me to realize and be grateful for what I did have in this country, even though, again, based on u s. standards, Wasn't a lot, but I had freaking shelter, I had electricity, I had a video game gaming system if I wanted it. Right, Mm -hmm. my mom would get me the shoes eventually, but nonetheless, I'd still have them. I can go to McDonald's if I wanted to and just pick up anything I wanted to eat. Doesn't necessarily mean it's the best thing for you, but but I but I could do that. Yeah, in that country, they could not, and so I had this deeper level of appreciation and gratefulness and gratitude towards what the US has done for me and my family. So I graduated high school, 2002, 9, 11 already happened. We already had troops in Afghanistan. It was my way of saying, I want to give back. I want to give back to this country that has given a lot to my mother and to me and to my family Also, it's an opportunity because now it sort of replaced football. Now, football was my ticket out of this small community and to see the world. Now the military was my ticket to get out of these small communities and see the world. It was also an opportunity for me to get money for college. So it really was stacked. It wasn't just one thing or the other. It was literally a full package deal for me at that time.
0: Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. and, And it's the story for so many. You know what I mean, like you in yep. your shoes, and what the military provides, and you know the 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 community, you know the belonging, the camaraderie, the you know, the spirit, the purpose, all of those things. Now, one thing you didn't mention was fear. Were you ever afraid at the time when you it was all about opportunity and you know driving toward a goal of purpose that you didn't think about what it was going to be like to be potentially at war.
1: I was I was talking to someone the other day and I was telling them because this guy, this guy, surprisingly, he was like, man, I'm a big fan of dance with the Stars. I watch every single, yeah, yeah. you know, season and week or whatever. And he said you had to be terrified, you know, when when you had to go dance. And I said, you know, when I really stopped and thought about thought about my life in the last, you know, 20, 25 years, I really think about there. I've really operated from this almost this naive place. Right. I don't think about the possibility of what could happen six months, six years. I don't think about that. And some could say that's not, that's not a great place to operate from, but for me, (laughs) it has allowed me to be fearless and to not essentially take a step. And I have also witnessed my mother as a young age, and there was a lot of challenges there, but the one thing my mother did expose me to was this you had to like pivot, you had to move, you had to be flexible, right? And you had to keep a smile on your face. And you just focused on this moment and survived this moment. My mother's a survivor. And I learned that skill from just watching her do it. And so for me, joining me, joining the military, I didn't think of the possibility of getting injured. I, f- I frequently say when I raised my right hand, like so many men and women and families, families that committed their lives to service. Yes, I knew that war was a possibility, but I never thought it would be my reality. I just never operated from that place of what could happen because if I did, for me, I know it would stop me from at least engaging, exploring, entertaining, doing. That has been the story of my life these last 19 years since I was injured. I mean, becoming a speaker, I don't, Think about, are people going to boo me? I think about what do I have to say? Can I talk for 15 minutes yes, straight? Exactly. I don't think about all exactly. my children viewers telling me that, oh, you're not a good actor. I think about, I think about, am I going to be able to remember my lines? Mm-hmm. I don't think about going on dancing and falling on my ass and going viral, but you know, I think about, okay, you know, am I going to be able to remember every single one of these routines? Okay. I, but it's not about this fear-based element that's going to prevent me from doing it, it's more about, okay, that's my concern. How do I now put a plan in place to essentially combat that? And because I've sort of lived this Forrest Gump type of life where it's like, sure, yeah, okay, sure, yeah, okay. Like, I'm just like, sure, we'll try that right I'll go do it. I live in the moment. I live for the short term and I maximize every opportunity that I get. This whole notion about You got to find your passion. I believe in that, right? But I believe you also find your passion by getting involved in doing things. Uh You don't have to have it all figured out. Get into something, do something that's in front of you. If it's an opportunity, get your ass into it. And then by getting into it and doing it from that, you potentially find your passion. You're not going to sit back at home and just wait for your passion to come knock on the door. No different than people say, one day when I win the lotto, you don't even play the lotto. What are you talking about, (laughs) right? Like, When's the last time you bought a ticket? Right And so for me, it has worked for me. and that's and, and, and here my relate my, my wife and I were very polar opposite in that sense. My wife really thinks things through to the point where sometimes it prevents it's her from her even sure. starting. Just start. Just because you start in this road doesn't necessarily mean mean you're going to end on this road. This road leads to intersections and crosswalks and all these other paths that essentially you can decide to take. And then that's the road that's going to take you to your next destination. But that's the problem. We get into our own way.
0: We really get into our way. And it's, 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 you know, I think it's probably as someone that's very much like you, you know, kind of jump first and look to see if there's water, you know, it was all part of the experience and part of the journey. And I always would look, you know, to someone who really w- was so afraid that they wouldn't take any steps at all, you know? So what, what's your advice for people that, that just are crippled by their own fear?
1: Well, well, well. The biggest thing that I always say to her is, is I one, I try to, you know, identify what her love language is. Right, her love language is the way that you communicate with her. It's so critical to understand the people that you interact with on a frequent basis, whether they're people in your immediate circle, your family, your friends, or even coworkers, your children. What are their love language? How do they communicate? How do they receive information? That is critical, and so for me, you know, she, I can't come at her. You know, I think, I think if you and I were talking, I was like, Heather, you got to get your shit together. If I said that to you, you'd be like, ah, all right. What what do you like? Yeah, you're right. Like, what do you think? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, What do you think? I can't talk to her in that way. I got to come to her and be like, babe, listen, you got to understand something like, because look at this particular obstacle that you experienced. Right. And I got to like, approach her differently she's going to be more receptive to the information that way because trust me i tried to babe you got to get this shit together that didn't work that didn't get us anywhere that actually got us broken up yeah you know several times you know throughout our relationship and so the biggest thing for me is one i have to i because i'm such a type a personality i'm like let's go let's yeah i've also had this this incredible blessing to experience almost death yes that's a blessing because now it's only fueled me to not take it, not take for granted every single breath that I get to take in a daily basis. Now, the downside in that is then I try to go hundred miles an hour and I try to yeah. pull it back from time to time and say 75 is a good yeah. place to operate JR sometimes right. I'm a hundred percent. And so needless to say, what I, the biggest thing that I try to do now is I just try to with her one is I just try to like, just point like i try to we have this conversation a lot she comes to me and she says i envy that you know what your purpose is i envy that you you have your direction you have your north star you you're doing what you're meant to be doing in life and you already know that and i don't and so the biggest thing is i try to point point out to her listen but i didn't identify these things that i'm doing remember back then it was because I made this one particular choice, and that one choice for me to lean in led to this other thing. It's like a domino effect. I leaned into this one domino, yeah. and it sort of kind of worked, and then right. all of a sudden it hit the next one, the next one, the next one. And so the biggest thing that I would just try to challenge people: stop overwhelming yourself with what other people care and think about. Right? People ask me all the time, what you know, how do you how do you embrace your looks? How do you you know people are out there looking at you? You know what I came to the realization is. Whether I was freaking Brad Pitt or any other beautiful individual out there that we admire, someone is always going to have someone still saying something about him, about her. Oh, yeah. So it's going to come to you either way. People are envious of the fact that you are this beautiful individual on the surface and people are going to be, you know, have something to say critical about whatever fault that you may have on the surface right so at some point you got to pick okay am I just going to choose to allow these individuals to dictate my attitude and my energy no I'm just going to say I'm going to be me and so for me I don't focus on what other people think and the thing with my wife is we had to unpack Why are you so afraid? Are you afraid because then you want to make your mother proud and you don't want your mother to perceive you as that you're failing because you don't have an established career because you were raised, a New York City girl was raised to be independent. I got to have my own money. I got to have a career. I got to have a title. I got to climb the corporate ladder that, and now she's right now, she's a stay-at-home mom.
0: Yeah. She's she's making a a, family. She's she's making,
1: she's keeping the heart in our family. She is keeping everything together. She is making sure. And I'm like, do you understand the purpose in that? And so what you have to do is you have to identify, stop thinking about this outside noise about like what your, your mother may think or what other people may perceive. You got to Let's let's simplify it. Let's stop looking at it from a macro perspective. Let's look at it from a micro perspective. Let's look at what you are doing. Let's look at, you know, the day to day because we don't hear thank you enough. We don't get validation enough for what we do on a day to day basis. That's no that goes for everybody. Everybody. And so for me, the biggest thing is I just try to say to her, I was like, listen, I am where I am because of a small step that I took 20 years ago. And that small step led to another one. You remember those last few opportunities that you failed to, you know, to get in, get into because you were worried. What were you worried about? Okay. Let's unpack that. Imagine if you would have got into it, what it potential, what you would have gotten out of that opportunity. And then it would have led you to somewhere else. Imagine if, imagine, you know, and so for me, one, I realized I can't fix it all. Mm-mm. I can't hold her hand and be like, let's go, right? That's her own journey. And I'm here to, to, to just be there and support, the support and listen and nice. encourage. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm also here to say, it's okay if you get involved in something that you want to try and, and it doesn't work out. That's right. That's it's right. Okay.
0: Did you think AARP was just for old people or have you rethought your definition of being old? We are living longer and as we get older, we face the issues many Americans over 50 face. Concerns about affordable health care, lower prescription costs and protecting our Social Security and Medicare. AARP knows we have a lot of good years ahead, and AARP advocates for us, offering things like financial and job resources, fraud protection help, or information on joining local volunteer groups, for example. AARP members enjoy access to hundreds of benefits, discounts and social programs, financial planning, retirement and social security resources, family caregiving support, discounts on eye exams and eyeglasses, exclusive insurance plans that cover everything from health and home to pets and auto discounts on thousands of hotels nationwide and 60 percent average savings on prescription drugs not covered by Medicare, just to name a few try the benefits for yourself go to aarp.org inmyheart in my heart to join for just $12 for your first year with automatic renewal you'll get a second membership for free plus aarp the magazine and a free gift that's aarp.org inmyheart in my heart try the benefits for yourself now back to my show you were really injured and you went through, and I I, I had started um, earlier by talking about the difference between recovery and healing. And I wanna get into that, but um, let's just go through the timeline a little bit. So the first thing that I know of that happened to you after your recovery from your injuries and that sort of thing was you went on a casting call for a soap <laughs> opera called All My Children in 2008. Now, for anybody who doesn't know J.R. Martinez, his injuries are vastly over 34% of his body, but his head and face got really injured and damaged and he's got burns and scars on his face. And so you go for an audition where everybody's supposed to be in like a styrofoam box and you take them out in the morning. (laughs) I mean- tell us about that tell us like about ev- that.
1: everyone has like a facial uh you know a, a day treatment right and that's including the male actors right like even the guys are have like their 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 treatment their facial treatment like everyone's so Walking freaking beautiful i know it's
0: perfect i mean everything i
1: mean it's just like I, and it was heather i'm a very firm believer in the power of manifestation hmm I told you earlier at 16, I thought about getting into that car accident because I wanted to see how many people would show up. At 19, I was in that car accident, a very different type of car accident than we would have thought of. But nonetheless, I was in a car and I was in an accident. And guess what? I found out how many people actually care about me. Oh, yeah a couple of months after I was injured, you know, I'm killing time in the evening. The evenings are time to like relax from like the crazy day of like therapy and doctor visits and nurses coming in to poke you and do all this other stuff. The evenings were me and my mom's time to just relax. And what we would do is we would watch novelas, Spanish soap operas. And I'm going to tell you something, even if you don't speak Spanish, You don't need to speak Spanish to watch a novella. You just watch a novella, the body language alone, because they are such animated actors. The body language, oh, Uh the body language alone, (laughs) you'll figure out in five minutes who's pissed off who, who's betraying who, who's trying to mess with, like you'll figure it all out. And I remember telling my mom in the hospital a couple of months after I was injured, I said, one day I'm going to be on a soap opera. And my mom, you know, I was always joking. I was naturally my, you know, my my nature. And she said, Oh, really? Like, what's the storyline gonna be? And I was like, I don't know, I haven't thought about it. I just know I'm gonna have a beautiful love interest, you know, jokingly laughing. Five years later, I get this email to go audition to become an actor on a freaking soap opera. Now, here's the thing: I never intended to be an actor, I never wanted to be an actor. I was out there in the world doing f- philanthropy on behalf of you know veteran nonprofits, and I was an, a spokesman for a couple, and, and I was starting to kind of dip my toe into the motivational speaking circuit and understanding how that works. I mean, I was 24 years old when this, this opportunity presented itself, and the whole thing was that they were bold enough, all my children, which they've been known to be pretty bold you know, in the 40 years that they were on the show, over 40 years. But they wanted to launch a storyline about a veteran. And they thought, what are the odds of us finding a real veteran with some acting experience versus getting an actor to portray this character? So they sent out this huge casting call. My best friend literally sends me the emails like, dude, this is you. This is for you. And I was like, what are you talking about? I don't want to be an actor. I don't know if I could do that. He's like, no, 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 go for it. Try out. I tried out. And I, but a week later, they called me and they told me I got the job. And I immediately had to move to New York city to the upper West side where they shot on 66 and West end. And I had to move to to New York city within a matter of weeks, a couple of weeks. And I remember when I, I was like, just, I couldn't, everything was happening so fast. I was just like, how long am I going to be on the show? They said three months. That's how long the storyline is going to be. And I was like, Oh, that's awesome. I get to move to New York city for three months. Here's the crazy thing. Again, I moved to New York city. I'm looking for a three month lease, an apartment. Cause I'm like, that's what they told me. Right. I can't really find anything. And yeah. you know, when you find short-term living like that, it, mm-hmm. it's going to be a higher monthly rate. Yeah. yeah. And I finally go to this one apartment and the, the least that they can do is uh, a year. And I said to the realtor, I was like, I'll do it. And he was like, yeah, but you're only going to be on the show for three months. I was like, no, nah, I'll be here. I'll, I'll be here. Yeah. Again, that's another example for those listeners right now to understand that, you know, I had no experience. I had no business being in that space, but I put myself there. I I was willing to try it. What do I have to lose? And because of that, every single day, I would would stay on set and I would watch all of the trained actors, all of the experts, even the Susan Lucci's, like I would watch her. What does she do in her scene? How does she, Michael Knight's, like how do they... How are they successful? And I would try to learn and do these little things in my scenes. And it turned into six months, nine months, one year. And then the show announced that they were going to move to LA because it was expensive to be in New York. So we got to move to the West coast and keep this thing going. So they decide they're going to move to LA. They bring us all into, so all my children shot in the same space as the view. I mean, we were right across the hall from one. Right. And so they took us all over to the view side. So we're all sitting in the seats where the studio audience is. And we're sitting there. We're like, everyone's panicking. All the actors are like, we're getting canceled. That's what's happening. And as soon as they mentioned, we're going to move the show to LA, I looked over at my co-star and I said to her, I know I'm going to go. I know I'm going to LA. And she was like, what do you mean? I was like, I'm meant to be in LA. This is the things that I pay attention to in the world, right? I believe in God. I believe in God, but I also believe as, as someone said to me recently, Natalie Morales, uh, she said that she refers to him as God winks. And I, and I, and I believe in those God winks. You know, yes. you got to pay attention to things like this. And yes. so for me, when I got the email about the opportunity, I was in L.A. When I got the call that I got the job, I was in L.A. Now the show's moving to L.A.? Of course, I'm supposed to be there for some reason. So here I go. And she my, the executive producer says, Do you want to go? We want we want you to go to LA. We want to sign you to a three year contract now. I'm like, I'm game. Let's go. I again, I don't, I'm not thinking about well, what's gonna happen if I move to LA in a year or two years or five years. No, let's go. Right
0: now. <laughs> let's
1: go right now. Exactly. I actually got a ticket already booked. I got a flight booked right now. Right. And so literally I go to LA and we're, I'm on the show until it comes, goes off of the air, which then leads to me going on dancing with the stars, but
0: But it didn't lead to you winning it. That you did on your own with your partner. So not only did you, I mean, go on Dancing in the Stars, but you took home that sparkly disco ball,
1: baby. Hey, listen, it's right there, right above me in my office right now. And don't don't get me wrong. I look at it from time to time, and I'm proud of that accomplishment. But you know what I'm more proud of? Is it was me and Rob Kardashian. I'm more proud of that I was able to get more votes than a Kardashian.
0: Yeah way to win it baby do you know
1: how hard that is i mean (laughs) i had i had an uphill battle when i was like oh there's a kardashian involved even though it is rob and poor rob he gets the short end of the the kardashian stick but nonetheless he's part of the empire and i just like i can't compete with that and people connected with me but here's the fascinating thing and this is where you got to stay patient you know through life and you got to just hang on because things make sense later not six months later not 10 years later sometimes 20 years later i told you about hope arkansas and how i didn't have the best experience there when i left i was almost 18 years old and i vowed to never go back to that place I went back to that place three years ago in 2019, and I went back now as an adult, and I went to every single home that I'd lived in in those almost nine years that we were there. And from what I can remember, it was six homes. Now, any psychologist or anybody counselor would tell you that's not healthy for a child. And I I agree with that. As a parent, I want to give my child stability. Mm -hmm. However, now with this perspective, I realize that all that did was instill in me even though in the moment i didn't like it it instilled in me this willingness and ability to just pick up and go the
0: pivot 100% go not get too attached to things that are not important
1: and so dancing with yeah. the stars comes and you wonder how that factors in there well one i decided that ah, let's go let's do it i'll do it Hell i'll be yeah. on the show but every week when there was a new challenge when there was a new obstacle that was presented to us i was like no big deal i'm not That's focusing not. on that exterior noise it like was. I'm focusing on me and my partner and our routine. I don't care about, honestly, for 90 seconds that I danced on my show, I didn't care about the fans that were there or the audience that was there. I didn't care about the millions of people that were watching on the other side of that camera that was pointed at us. All I cared about was in this moment, being present with my partner and telling a story. And I just, and, and I, and I just sort of blocked out the world right. for 90 seconds, did my thing. And then I allowed myself when the routine was over to come to and be like, oh man, yes. what did I just do? I don't exactly. even know what I did, but exactly. people liked it. And it was just the amazing experience where if I ever, if I, if, if I could go back and do the show again, would I change anything? I feel like I would try to be a little bit more present with the whole, mm-hmm. with the whole process Yeah. To really enjoy it. It's such a f- f- well-oiled, fast-moving machine.
0: Amazing, yeah. That
1: three months just fly by sure. before you know right. it. As a kid, when you're raised by a single woman, you have no other choice but to be her dance partner, whether you want to be or not.
0: <laughs> I love it.
1: I never realized that 20-some-odd years later, that would come to benefit me, and I would win a competition that would literally, honestly, introduce me to the world. Because even though I was on all yes. of my children...
0: It, yeah, yeah. not
1: everybody watched it. No dancing with the stars was on a whole nother level. And it really, what it did for me, Heather, is it allowed people to see me for more than just the title. And at the time, the title that I had was veteran. Yeah. That, that was it. And unfortunately as patriotic as people may be, they unfortunately sometimes look at that title and it's limiting. It's limiting. They think of you only have a certain skill that you learn in the military I don't know if I can trigger you. If I am going to trigger you, if something around us is going to trigger you, you're let's just keep you in that box and that bubble. And I came on dancing with the stars and I literally just showed the world that no, I'm yeah, I am a veteran. I'm proud to be that. Yes. I am somebody that probably would, you would look at and say has a disability to some degree, whatever. That's how you identify me. That's not how I identify myself. Right. And I'm going to show you who I am. And for, for 10 weeks, I showed the world who I was. And by the time that show was over, people knew JR Martinez, not the veteran, not the disabled veteran. They knew JR. They
0: knew you, they saw you and your spirit. And that's, you know, I mean, I was going to say when I was filming the Housewives and the cameras were on, people would always say to me, how can you deal with all those cameras following you around all the time? And I never saw, I didn't see them. I was so focused on trying to tell the story and, you know, be entertaining and, and, you know, really tell my truth that my authenticity was important. Of course, unlike you, then I had to wait for the edit. (laughs) I didn't get to watch the dance in its pure (laughs) purity. I had to wait for the edit, which could be sometimes, (laughs) you know, shocking and harrowing. But (laughs) I lived true in that moment. I didn't see what was around me and I didn't see the millions of viewers. And I didn't worry about any of that. I just tried to live in the moment. And, what came out of that for you was the authenticity of who you are, Jr. and very much I want to just compliment you that one of the things that you do with your wife and that you do with people is, is that you see them. You see yeah. who you're communicating with. You know what some, the way to talk to her and the way not to talk to her, and I think if we did that a little bit more, and I think that you coming from kind of behind the mask of what people may look into – What's looking out, JR, is pretty incredible. And I, and and, you know, your book came after Dancing with the Stars. And I'm going to be so bold as to say, like, you would not even be the man you are today if you weren't in that Humvee that you didn't go through the experiences that you went through and all that suffering and pain. And I got to ask you, does the number 34 have any relevance to you?
1: 34, you know, and I pay attention to that kind of stuff. So the, I remember, so here's a pattern of threes actually. So when I joined the military, I would for three years. Mm-hmm. Then I went to basic training for three months. Then I was injured and I was, um, after three weeks of being in Iraq, then I was in a coma for three weeks. Then I spent three months initially in the hospital recovering then the three years in the hospital, then the 34% of my body, then the over 30 surgeries that I've had. And I get on my children. It's supposed to be three months. Turns into three years. I'm on Dancing with the Stars for three months. I mean, there's a pattern there. My wife favorite number her whole life is three and it's i mean again that's a stretch people are like oh come on jr and it's like no i get it but those are things that you have those are those god wings that i think you have to pay attention to and i don't think i've quite figured it out quite yet if there's even more relevance i'll tell you what lately i've been seeing a lot and i pay attention to this stuff i don't always understand it but i pay attention to it nonetheless i've been seeing like ones either eleven, eleven, or one, eleven. 11. Like I just see ones all it's just sporadically. When I happen to look at a clock, I just see it. And so of course my wife looks it up, like what is the significance of ones? And it's like, it means it's like you're on the right path. It means that the universe is telling you, keep going, keep doing what you're doing. So every time that I see that I stop, I stop whatever it is that I'm doing. And I just like, okay, I need to speak into existence. This is the universe telling me what, what, what is it? What do you want? What's the next thing? What are we talking about right now, right? And so for me, I I pause and I stay present in that moment for that one sixty seconds, yes. that minute, and I just talk to the the universe. I talk to God. I talk to every you know. Yeah. I just talk. Yeah, we supposed to
0: see. Yeah, Take, pay and, attention to those God wigs. Take perception and, in them.
1: Absolutely. You know, listen. I don't know how much time we have, but I think it's important for me to 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 share this story with people. When you talked about like me listening to people and. The number one rule of speaking, and you know, this is knowing your audience. You got to know your audience, right? And you can't just show up to every single event, every to every group, different group of people and expect that the stock speech you gave six months ago is going to work for this particular audience. And then tomorrow for a different audience, you got to be willing to like change it. And that's what makes effective speakers, effective speakers because they're, they have that ability to do that. But the one thing that I, I'd like to believe that I, pride myself on that I do pretty well is I'm always I'm curious and I and I and I'm always I'm I'm, cu- I'm always listening and paying attention so for example a couple of years ago I did this event and for this company that um it was for it was for Delta and I'm like I'm, I'm like a huge Delta snob and and so I I was I like, like Delta re- too. oh I love oh, Delta, Delta. I, mean, I was like we got to get Delta to sponsor this you know like <laughs> these podcasts you know and so literally I'm coming back from Atlanta Flying back to Austin and I'm in, I'm on a high, I get on the plane, I'm on a high, I'm coming home. Something on the plane triggers me. I get triggered by something. I can't remember what it was by the, so the point is by the time I get off the plane, I'm sort of in a sour mood. Normally when I get off the plane, I text, I call my wife. I'm like, Hey, landed on my way home or land on the way to the hotel, whatever. I didn't call her. I was like, I'm just going to no get idea. home. Yeah. I get in the car. I start pulling out of the garage. I get to the booth where you pay. I don't even look at the the, the person working the booth. I just hand my ticket out through my window. Yeah. The person grabs the ticket, but doesn't take it from my hand. Like they literally we're both holding it like this. And after a couple seconds, I finally looked over, like, "Why is she not taking the ticket?" And I look up, and and I see her hand, and then I slowly follow her. And the older lady—I mean, when I say older, I mean, I mean like like an older lady, like I mean eighties, yeah. like I mean yeah, she's she, her
0: she's yeah, she, at home,
1: yeah, like in.
0: Well, she, not that people couldn't work at eighty, but I know what you're exactly. Saying. Yes, <laughs> and so to.
1: she and so she says she she says to me, "Can I ask you what happened to you?" And I was like, I, w- I was in a car accident. And she said, and you were your your whole body was burned? <sighs> yes. Okay. And then she says, um, how how old were you? And I was like, 19. Okay. She says, can I pray for you? Sure. So then she's praying. I look o- I look over at her. And she's praying in silence. And I didn't know, like, am I supposed to like close my eyes and bow my head? Like, what Love am I supposed romance? to do? What when, to? when is this thing over? Like, <laughs> like how do, how do I know if my eyes are closed? I can't see when you're finished. So <laughs> so I keep like looking at the corner of like my eye and she finally gets, she's done. And she gets up and she's starting to write. And I'm like, okay, now she's doing the, the whole transaction. Yeah, yeah. She writes on another ticket. She hands it to me, which they never do. She hands me a ticket. And on the ticket, she writes, Amitoba. She says, do you know what this means? And I said, no. She's like, are you familiar with like Buddhism? And, and I said, well, I know about it. I don't, I don't say I know about it. And she said, well, within the Buddhist faith, there is a um, Buddhist that is called Amitabha, And he represents infinite light, infinite wisdom. And when I see you, I see Amitabha." And she starts going on this very beautiful, eloquent, like explanation. Of course, this feels like this story, it feels like I've been telling it for five minutes. It feels like I, I felt like I was in that lane for half an hour. Like, and I'm looking behind me or people honking, ready to go. Nothing's but happening. in that moment, it was just her and I, and she yeah. gave me something because see, here's the thing. By the time finally I, the transaction was over and I was able to drive home, I pulled out, I called my wife and I was like, babe, I meet the She was like, what the hell are you talking about? And I was like, ah, I'll explain when I get home. And I literally put all my windows down, Heather. And I just like, just, I just breathe in all the air as I drove 35 minutes to my house in this incredible mood. But here's the thing throughout that interaction, I had several moments to make a choice, to not engage. When she asked, what happened to you? I didn't have to tell her. Mm -hmm. Were you burned? I didn't have to tell her. How old were you? I didn't have to tell her. Can I pray for you? No, you cannot pray for me. Have you ever heard of Mitaba? I don't know. No, I haven't. And I don't care. Can I tell you about infinite light? Nope, none of that. Pay and let me go. But because I was open to listen to the universe and to this human being that was right in front of me and be present and stay curious, she gave me a gift. That's right. She gave me something. You're going to have the most unexpected people that you encounter in your life that are going to give you beautiful gifts if you're willing to actually receive it, be open and not be guarded and protective. Just be open, ladies and gentlemen. What do you have to lose? At the end of the day, you have so much more to gain. And I, am, I think I am one of the many examples in this world that exists that's li- literally living proof of that. And that's just the place that I operate from. From my heart, I operate from that place. And even if that means that it's going to slow me down from getting to where I need to get to, it's going to delay me 5, 10, 30 minutes, there's a reason I'm interacting with this human being or this, having this experience. And I'm just going to allow myself to just marinate in it.
0: Yeah. I love that because either way, JR, you're either getting a gift or you're giving one. Wouldn't it be great if choosing how you feel was as easy as picking a song on your phone, tap a button to feel energized without any caffeine, tap a button to feel relaxed when you're stressed. When I heard that a wearable device called Happy lets you change how you feel, I didn't believe it, so I had to try it. Happy works by delivering signals to give you the same sensations as caffeine, alcohol, and melatonin without any of those chemicals or side effects. Signals are songs only your body can hear. They're made by Happy to replicate the unique magnetic signatures of popular everyday ingredients. Just by switching the signal on your phone, you change how you feel. Using signals to boost my energy instead of that third cup of coffee or increasing my focus when I need to crank out some work. They even have signals for getting deeper, more restful sleep. I've been using my Happy to prepare me for meditation and to lull me to sleep. Happy is by decades of research, and it comes with a 365-day guarantee. Give Happy a try and love it as much as I do. Order today, and you'll save twenty five percent and get thirty days free access to all their signals. Take advantage of their three hundred and sixty five day guarantee today. Go to happy.com slash in my heart. That's H A P B E E dot com slash in my heart to save twenty five percent on your order. Happy.com slash in my heart. Now back to my show. I've been doing this through COVID. I just started doing it. And now I do it very consciously. Whenever I'm at a convenience store, gas station, or whatever, I really smile big at the person who's helping me. And sometimes I, they never even look at me. And I'll go, I'll be like, like I'll make, make my smile bigger. Like I'll start to nod my head a little to see if they'll even look up at me. You know what I mean? And sometimes they <laughs> won't look up at me. And so then sometimes I'll look down. I'm like, have a good day. You know what I mean? Like, so they can see me. I go up under them and then they'll be like, sometimes they will be jarred. I'm like, oh, thank you. Thank you. You know, we get so. Cause they're ins- not used to that. Exactly. exactly.
1: I can't tell you how many times I'm the guy that I'll call a place to, for anything, place an order or to ask a question about something they have in their store or anything. And, you know, they're like, hi, it's Heather. How can I help you? And I'm like, how are you doing? Yes. That's the first thing I say. First How are you is. doing? Yes. And then they're like, "Can I help you?" Yeah. And I'll How respond do do first, yeah, because I'm a smart ass, and I'll respond. I'm like, I, "You must not be having a good day." Yeah. And then, and they're like, "Oh, oh no!" And then it's like you said, it jars them because there's so, we're we're on autopilot. We operate on autopilot. And I think and I hope that the last couple of years now, I know some people are in more challenging situations than others, but I would hope for all of us that we would all decide to turn the autopilot off and, and to find a way to kind of take control of that that steering wheel, because we all again, we, we, we can take control of it ourselves. And, you know, for me, I, you know, I just love doing that because I want people I want people to, to feel like they've been seen that they've been heard that they've been validated. I, I, I say, thank you to people all the time, but don't get me wrong. You act like an asshole. I'm going to tell you real quick, yeah, that you're yeah, like, you like, like an asshole too. Exactly. Exactly. 100%. I'll tell you quick, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, listen, I mean, it, 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 I, I have had to, I've had to, to get to where I am today when you talked about recovering yes, versus healing. Question. Yes.
0: We could talk about that.
1: To heal, to be where I am today, where I feel like I'm healed, I had to do a lot of internal work. I had a lot of moments of silence and pain. I could tell you that when I got out of the military and, and, you know, again, and everything's a cycle. I have this tattoo on my wrist. I don't know if I've ever told you this story. So you could.
0: I know the tattoo, but I don't know the story behind it.
1: So the story behind it is when I joined the military, I couldn't figure out military time. <laughs> so, I
0: still can't. I am- Yeah,
1: I, I still have a hard time. Like I get on the <laughs> phone sometimes and people are like, okay, uh, I'm like veil, you know, or whatever. I'm spelling something out and they're like, did you say bail? And I'm like, no, veil V. And I'm like, and then I'm like, V, I'm trying to think of the military alphabet. I'm like, V victorious. And and like, that's not, that's not the, you know, like I'm coming up with a new, you know, military like alphabet, but I, I couldn't figure out military time. And so they would give me shit. They would make me do push ups every time they would ask me what time it was just to give me shit. Cause I was a private and I had to pay my dues or whatever. And it was fun. So finally one day I bought an inexpensive watch. I bought an inexpensive watch and I set it at 24 hour time. So the next time that they asked me what, time it was I was like I know the time no more push-ups baby these pecs are good where they are you know I don't need any more pec work and so literally fast forward I'm in Iraq the day I get injured I'm wearing the watch you can see my hand is burned my my arm is burned but my wrist is not burned from that watch it protected my wrist from being burned so what I did is I decided on my 24 fourth birthday, maybe to get a tattoo of the watch. And inside of it, it says the time that I was injured, which is two thirty, And it has the in Roman numerals and the band, the date I was injured, April 5th, 2003. But I look at this frequently. And I remember that I, one, one day I looked at this and I was like, you know, this, that that's life. And what I mean by that is like, if you look at a clock, 12 is at the top six is at the bottom. And you know, the hand and the clock goes around and around and around only if there's batteries that are, that are in it, that work. If there's no batteries in it, if there's no pat- nothing power in it, it's going to stop wherever it is. It's not going to move. And so for me, this 12 to me is a symbolization of like, that's the high, everything's great in life. Six is at the bottom. We understand what that means, but you're always going to hit six, like a clock. It's just meant to go around and around and around. That's the cycle, but you have to be willing to put batteries in it. You got to be willing to put some energy and some power into it in order to get yourself out of six to start making a nine, 10, 11, 12, get to that place. When you're at 12, you can enjoy that, but no six comes eventually. You don't have to live in that fear of anticipating the six. You just know it comes, but that you managed to get through it already. And you're back at the 12. So, you know, for me, that's the way I live. I live with that motto of like always at 12. I'm always at 12, baby, always striving to be at 12. And so for me, when I got out of the military, I spent um, a lot of time in six and what I would do is I would overwhelm myself with this thought process I'm never going to have a girlfriend. I'm never going to have a wife. I'm never going to have children. I'm never going to have a career. I'm getting constant rejection. People are telling me I'm only able to do this and that's it because I'm a veteran. And I can tell you that I spent a lot of time journaling and just crying, St- dramatic, staring Mm -hmm. out of a window into like the woods of Georgia where my mother lives and in my room that I lived in my senior high school, staring out of the window, looking out into trees. It's middle of the night and I'm crying and I'm just journaling and I'm writing, but I can tell you ladies and gentlemen that that's what I needed to do. Yes. I needed to do that. I, I needed to be present. Let the I...
0: tears come. And that's another thing. Yeah. We talked about being a good human versus a good man. One of the things that I know is that men are taught that it's not manly to cry. And so we get a lot of pent up feelings, emotions, and ability to communicate emotions in 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 our male counterparts. And so- for any human being out there, when the tears come, let them come. Do not stop them. We're we're conditioned not to cry in public. You know, you see the person at the counter and their head is down. We're so conditioned that it's a terrible thing. It is 100% a natural thing and we need it to cleanse. We need it to overcome. It is part
1: of, it is part of, of it's part of the process. If your body is feeling it, like right again, we've heard the if 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 you feel this, you you'll go to the doctor immediately to get the checked out. Right. Well, if you feel emotion, let it out, let it go. And and listen, vulnerability is something that I've had to learn how to do. It wasn't something that was instilled in me, it wasn't something I necessarily understood. Right. How to be vulnerable from a from a healthy standpoint. I can't tell you over the course, since that that period where I did a lot of that work. I was able to come out of that having sort of a, a cleanse and feeling like this weight was lifted off of me and this dark cloud was sort of removed from above me, just simply from the fact that I just unleashed a lot of things. And then finally, I got, you know, I've continued to do that same work since then. I've gone to therapy a couple of times. I I've, I've had many moments, even today when I had to sit with myself and I, sometimes I'll go to the park with the dog. I cry in front of my daughter who's nine years old. Cause I want her to see that it's okay that you don't have it all figured out and you can share emotion and and it's fine. You're not going to be judged. I cry in front of my wife. I cry in front of my best friend for God's sakes. I cried on dancing with the stars. Like, I mean, I cried and I, 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 I mean, I'm now in the point in my life, you know, Heather, I don't know if it's like being a parent or what it is, but I could be on a plane listening to a song and all of a sudden a chord just strikes and all of a sudden I'm crying. I'm like, I don't even know why I'm crying, man. And I'm like sitting there doing that. But here's the other side of that. When you said that people are crying like in in public and they're just kind of trying to hide. The other aspect of that is you can't show up for a human being that is in that place. If you're not, if you haven't done the work yourself. Yes. So I now, if I see somebody share that emotion, show that emotion, guess what? I mean, I'm I'm comfortable. It's not awkward for me. I'll go and I'll hug them.
0: That's right.
1: I'll hug them. I'm like, it's okay. I don't know what it is, but it's going to be all right
0: because because
1: I understand understand that.
0: Yeah, exactly. You need that. Like what you said was, you know, you wanted to be hurt to see how many people would show up. Like that is a sign of not feeling that people are seeing you or feeling left out, or you were alone a lot or not being seen and things like that. And so, you know, we can project those, um, those feelings, you know, as we grow in life and as we go through different emotions in life. And so I think that that's a perfect segue of um, just understanding that, Life is hard. We talked about this on your podcast we are going to get knocked down and some of us are going to get much bigger scrapes and bumps than others and some of it's a series, you know what i mean? It's like mm-hmm. small cuts, you know, death by biting of the duck, <laughs> but you know what i
1: mean? <laughs> it's like getting bit to death by a duck,
0: you know? But what i have learned and been really working on myself and and you're such a perfect ex- you know example of this through your spirit and 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 all that you've overcome and how you look at it and the perception of it is this beware of the temptation to perceive yourself unfairly treated. Mm-hmm. Because what I have learned about that one is, is that by making the distinction between the fair and the unfair attacks, you're giving power to all attacks. Yes. And you know what I mean? You can't, you, you have to know that these things are gonna happen to us and that yep. we are now, you can either be a product of the attack, right? The victim, play the victim, mm-hmm. a life is unfair, or you can overcome the attack like you have on so many yeah. levels. You know, we didn't even give it, get into the fact when your mom was a, in El Salvador and you were home, you know, with your dad. I think it was your dad at the time, it was early. You had a sister in El Salvador that you never even got to meet because she died. Yeah. And I know that that had a really big impact on your life. So like another blow, like another mm-hmm. thing that you had to deal with and maybe you didn't realize how much it affected you at the time, but later in life, some other punch opened mm-hmm. that wound wide open and you had to deal with that loss that you didn't really get a chance to deal with but i think that you know this power of unfairness is an illusion that you can allow yourself to have that the world has this power over you so if you feel like you've been knocked or you feel sad about a life situation cry it out you know i always say like when i'm down on my back crying real hard like the ugly heaving cries it doesn't ever last so long Right. Eventually. And then you soothe yourself. And then I'm like, yeah. okay. And then I'm like, oh, the sun came out. I think I'll go take a walk.
1: Yep. Listen, I can tell you about details of the day that I was injured. Details about the five minutes that I was trapped completely conscious inside of that Bernie Humvee. But I can tell you every detail with a smile on my face.
0: Right.
1: It doesn't trigger me. It doesn't send me into a space. Why? Because I've talked about it enough. Yes. I've talked about it. I've taken the power away from that situation that normally would define me. And continuously trigger me, I've taken the power away from that situation, and now I'm in control of it. And I dictate now how that story goes. So I'll tell you, yeah, I saw the skin literally melting off of my hands. Yeah. And last night I went to dinner with the fam, and I got the salmon. It was really bomb. Like a blackened salmon, but it was like a blackened Cajun salmon. Love Oh yeah. And then, and then I remember like literally like my eyes were closing and I was like, oh my God, I'm screaming and yelling. I remember like the feeling of like gasping for air, but yo, did you see that game last night? The Lakers suck right now. Like what's going on? No big deal. I can literally just transition from thing to thing to thing because I've taken the power away because I've been willing to cry through that experience, through that emotion, through that uncomfortableness. I've, I've been willing to dive into that place and not just put a toe into it. Now I'm at the point that I'm like full body, baby, full body, submersion cold, you know, ice bath in the morning. Let's go. Let's get in, baby. Let's dive in. Let's do it. And that's just the place that I operate from. And, you know, here's, here's another one last thing I'll share with you is, is, you know, things don't always make sense, obviously, as we know in the moment, but I'm going to tell you, like, you got to be patient when I was 22 years old, when I got out of the military, I wanted to be the speaker and it wasn't happening. And for two and a half years at 22, 23, 24, before the all my children email, I was a kid that was just essentially using alcohol to cope, and I was a very unpleasant kid to be around. I can also tell you that be, I told you my my father left when I was nine months old. I, I grieved and I wanted my father. I yearned for his presence as a kid and as a teenager. Cause I saw my peers who had father figures. I didn't know if there were good father figures or not, but nonetheless, there was a male figure in the house right, and, and I wanted that. And I knew I had a father out there, never got a chance to meet him. I met him for the first time, three years ago, I met him for the first time, yeah. I was 36 years old when I met him. And when I came to find out one, I asked him the million dollar question. Where'd you go, man? Yeah. And he said, I just forgot about you. And I was like, okay, cool. And then, cause in that moment you're like, okay, not sure how I know how to process that, but yeah. all right, cool. Let's, let's keep this thing going. Um, so what's your life been like since? Yeah. That asshole um,
0: word comes to mind. What, what's your favorite
1: <laughs> flavor of Ice cream, I guess. Like, what are we talking about now? And I just remember that by the time that visit was over, because you know what he did? He went into this place of, hey, man, can you help me out? Can you give me some money? Can you do this? Can you? And I just, I thought to myself, you know what? My whole youth, I cried for this man, wanting this man there. It was a blessing that he wasn't there. But I never would have found that out if I just wouldn't have just kept hanging on and gotten to this point in my life where I can see it that way. Because if he would have stayed in my life, He's homeless right now,
0: right?
1: He's homeless. He literally sleeps on some lady's porch. He's homeless. That would be my influence. That would be what I would essentially try to model. That's, that's the behavior that I would follow. I mean, maybe not, but possibly, right. And your, so your it's just things, it's yes. just things in life for us to understand that in this moment, it doesn't make sense. I get it, but just hang on. I guarantee you later in life, everything will start to connect and it'll make so much more sense in hindsight. Now I realize when I was 22, 23, 24, as bad as I wanted to share what I felt that I brought to the world, I wasn't ready.
0: Ready. That's right. How are you finding your freedoms? How are you finding that outlet to feed that soul of yours? That is so big and beautiful.
1: Uh, well, thank you for that. I really appreciate that. I mean, I, I'll be completely honest with you. It, it's been a little challenging these days just because yeah. I'm I'm trying to get through school and that's a big deal. That the, the big thing that I'm trying to check off of my list. Um, so time is limited. But what I try to do, honestly, is I'm, I'm coaching my daughter's softball team. I was roped into doing that the end of last year. And it, honestly, as taxing as that may be, mentally and emotionally, it's one of the most rewarding things that I get to experience. I don't have a lot of free time right now. So that is my escape where I get to bond and connect with my daughter, but also I get to get, be around these young athletes and see them blossom and see their personalities and put it all together. And then also like, there's times where I, I step away, like I'll take a drive, like on my drive to the airport, I'll find these little moments. It doesn't have to be this long, extensive period of time. Yes, I'd love to go get a massage. Yes, I'd love to do yin yoga every single day for an hour, but I don't have that luxury right now. It's not to say that a couple months from now I won't have that. So I utilize every moment that I get, whether it's the drive to the airport to go to an event, the 35 minute drive. I literally use that opportunity to literally just be with myself. I talk to myself. I listen to myself. I, I I will just have conversation with myself. And the great thing about it is that people that are to my left and right on the street, they don't even know. They probably think I'm just having a regular conversation with somebody else on the phone, (laughs) but it's me. It's me. It's (laughs) me. It's me talking to me. It's me, myself and I baby. And that's all I need. And so I just want people, the reason I say that is because we have this perception that we have to essentially carve out this huge amount of time to do that work. You don't need that much time. For me, every 30 minute block of time that I get is enough to power me for the next few days or the next few hours or whatever. And so I just keep finding those 30 minute windows for myself, if that's all I can get just to sit there and be with myself. And so, um, you know, it, it, it's, it, it, I, I'm trying to do a better job of it. I'm not going to say I'm perfect at it.
0: Incredible. I have to say, like, of all the podcasts I've done and all of the people I've asked this question to, this by far, hands down, is my favorite. You're finding freedom in yourself. Yeah. I mean, can we just, like, pin drop that one for a second? <laughs> like, I got goosebumps. Like, I want to cry. <laughs> because it's the most important place to find it.
1: Yeah. That's Absolutely,
0: beautiful baby. So don't think you got to do any more harder work. because You're <laughs> doing the hard work right now. I'm oh trying.
1: I I love it. trying. I am trying. I love it.
0: I love it. Well, you have got to come back, please, Jr. I can talk to you for another two hours. We have so much to share. You have so much to share and so much to give, and there is so much pain and suffering out there. But we have to just remember that. Hey, if you see someone suffering and you know what it feels like, go give them a hug. Look at the person in the face. Smile. Give the exactly. gift. Be the gift be able exactly. to receive the gift and yep. let's kind of polish ourselves off and, and, and enter this new world that we are should be so grateful for those of us Absolutely. that are here with a yep. new perspective. And that is not to follow the, the beat of any other drummer, but your own. Yeah. I love you so much. My friend,
1: listen, same here. Love to you. I will, I will come back anytime you want me to. You know I adore you. I look up to you. I I literally value everything that you say. I mean I frequently will, to be honest, I'll go back and listen to the episode that you know we did together just because I I just I, I love and admire your energy and just love your soul and how you always show up for people and I think that's the thing that connected us from the very beginning is your smile and your willingness to just come here, give me love. What's going on? Let's talk about life. And so I admire you. I'm happy that this podcast is doing well. And you know, you're thriving and I see it all the time. So anytime you want me to come back to talk about anything about life related or just fun related, whatever, I'm here. Just know you can always count on me. I'm always oh I'm always God. here for you, for my you. friend.
0: Thank <laughs> you so much. I mean, my heart is full. My cup runneth over. For those people who do want to listen to JR's podcast and certainly you got to pull up our episode, but tell us about the podcast and where people can find you if they don't already follow you and that sort of stuff. And yeah, think- tell them about yeah. the book because they should yeah. go back and read that.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. Well, I mean, the one-stop shop is my website, jrmartinez.com. You can see links to the book and you can see links to the podcast, but I call it, I call it rebirth. And it's for me specifically, Veterans refer to the day that they were injured as their alive day. I call it my rebirth because I believe parts of me died on that day and other parts of me were born. As I believe all of us experience rebirth over the course of our lives, personally, professionally, different phases of our lives. And that's a rebirth. Something is dead. Something no longer exists. Now we got to pivot. And so I just love unpacking people like your like your rebirth. Yeah, I I, I don't want to just talk about the Heather that people may know of, like that was on Housewives. I want to talk about the Heather that the way you grew up and the things that helped shape you and the challenges and the things you overcame, that to me is what's fascinating. Don't show me where you are now in the surface stuff. Let's dig a little bit. And so I just just love having conversation. It's honestly my selfish way because I started it during the pandemic. It was my way to still connect with people and still stay engaged and still keep learning from other people because I believe I'm a product of literally other people that I've interacted with over the last, you know, 19 and a half years of my life since I was injured or almost 19 years. So I'm a product of that. So it was my selfish way to just keep learning from people and their journeys. Yeah. Awesome
0: beautiful i love it so much and your instagram tell them what your instagram is
1: i am jr martinez very That's simple
0: right. i am at heather t and he is i am at jr martinez we are cooking with gas honey we love you so much jr i gotta tell you and what did natalie morales call them god's kisses
1: god winks
0: god winks okay whether they're god kisses or god winks i like them both
1: i like them both I like god.
0: we're gonna go with natalie's version though. so <laughs> Pay attention to the God winks, everybody, and please tune in again for another episode. This is In My Heart. I'm your host, Heather Thompson. I thank from the bottom of my heart, my very full heart, my dear friend, J.R. Martinez. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you, love. Mwah.